Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. I want to talk to you about this one thing that's so important, and that is that you have what you say. You have what you say. You are what you say you are. Because what you say is an indicator of what you truly believe, what you have inside of you. And we think that words are not important, but words, we use, we need to economize our words. We need to be very, very careful what we say and how we say it. We are snared with the words of our mouth so often. And so it's important. That's why I, I, I just felt so strongly to bring this up again, especially in the area of faith, things that we're believing for, because we can negate our prayers by the words that we say. We can pray this wonderful prayer of faith and turn right around and totally just demolish everything we just prayed. Because our words are so important. Because you have what you say. Now, someone made the statement to me one time in a theology class that, that I took. And they said that you will always get what you preach for. Of course, they're preaching to preachers. You'll always get what you preach for. So I've been preaching on faith. Purposely. Because I want you to have faith. Because faith in God can move mountains. Faith in God can change lives. If you have faith, nothing is impossible. You know, and, and that is important. It's everything that happens in our life. Our justification is by faith. Our salvation is by grace through faith. Everything that happens to us, righteousness is established in our life through faith. It was, you know, Abraham believed God. It was accounted unto him as righteousness. So everything that we do, we walk by faith. We live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. All of these things, everything in our lives as a believer is in faith. Paul said in the book of Romans, it is by faith from start to finish. So if we're going to be in a faith walk, we've also got to be in a faith talk because if we don't talk it, we can't walk it. But if we talk it, then we got to walk it. We got to, we got to be who we say that we are. And I want you to go with me to Mark 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verses 22. And uh, I had put two scriptures up there, Romans 1.16. And y'all know what that is. Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, the gospel is where we get faith. Romans 10.17, y'all say it with me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's important that we get into the word, that that we hear the word, and that the word of God becomes a part of us. And if the word is not preached concerning salvation, then what? The Bible says in chapter 10 that if there's no preacher, how can they hear? If they can't hear, then they can't be saved. So, you know, it's up to us to 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 get people trained up in the word and send them forth so that they can preach this gospel of salvation that changes lives. And, and I can't away, get away from preaching on faith just yet because we've seen God do some amazing things because of faith. We believe God. We boldly stated it, and God's come through. And he always does that because we have what we say we have. We have just exactly what we say we have. And, and he wants to do so much more. So if you go with me there to Mark eleven twenty two out of the New American Standard Version, 
And we're going to kind of start in the second part of, of the chapter two, where it says, have faith in God. Everybody say that. Have faith in God. And then in verse 23, says, Jesus said, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted to him. And then in Matthew 21, 22, it says, all things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. How many things? All things you ask in prayer, in faith, believing you shall receive. So then that stands to reason that when we pray, we should expect an answer. So many times we pray and then we turn right around and begin to speak doubt and unbelief. Get out of it. Come on. Stop it. Quit. Quit doing that. No, no. Stop it. When you pray, believe that you receive what you ask. If you're not going to believe that you receive it, don't waste your breath. Blow out a candle. Do something else with it. Don't lie to God. Believe what you say. And it will happen. So expect an answer. And and hear me on this. Doubt and unbelief instead of faith and confidence in God and his word will get you nothing. Murmuring and complaining instead of thanksgiving and praise will leave you sick. It'll leave you defeated. It'll leave you broke, despondent, a victim of the curse rather than a glad recipient of the blessing and the favor of God. That's what it'll leave you. Because we have what we say. We're victims of our own thoughts. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in our heart's going to come forth. And so we need to be men and women of faith. Proverbs 18.21 in the Amplified Version. I like the Amplified because why? It speaks louder. That's right. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. One or the other. So whatever you're speaking, you're you're either going to be the victim of are you going to be victorious because of it? We can victimize ourselves because of the things that we say. If we're always speaking doubt and unbelief, if we're always murmuring and complaining, if you're doing that, stop. Smacks back. Hold your hand out. Do this. Stop it. Don't do that no more. We've got to stop. We've got to turn our conversation around. Because our conversation is either justifying us or killing us. One or the other. The things that we say. You know, I used to kind of poo-poo this. Until I really started looking at it in the Word. Because the devil likes it when we murmur and complain. What does it mean to murmur? How many ever watched the Bernstein Bears? Yeah, some of you are, 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 are old enough to remember the Bernstein Bears. Remember Papa Bear? You know, and some people live their life like that. Can never be happy or miserable and want everybody else to be miserable with them. 
Well, listen, if you are a miserable person, if you're going through life being miserable, don't ask me to join you. I ain't going there. If I can't help you get out from that, don't expect me to hang around. I don't have to, and I'm not going to, because I got better things to do than to to join myself with someone who is always murmuring and complaining and moaning and groaning and gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. And we don't want to go there. We want to speak the good things. Listen, what we say affects our destiny. I have scripture to back it up, and here it is, Matthew 12, verses 34 through 37. Again, this is in the Amplified. And Jesus is speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees because they were the religious people, and they were always talking doubt and unbelief. And he knew what was in their heart. They didn't understand spiritual things. They understood religious things. They understood that, you know, there were the commandments, so they put commandments on the commandments, and they described the commandments. If you were carrying a stool... On the Sabbath, and if you happened to drop it and drug the ground, that was plowing. You were plowing. So you could be put out of the synagogue for plowing on Sunday just because you were carrying a stool and, it, and one leg drug the ground. They, they qualified these things. If, if, if you had to get water out of a well, if your bucket leaked and you had to get more water out of the well, you couldn't use a rope because a rope was something you used for work. So what they would do is they would take their clothing, their robes, tie it onto the robe, tie it onto the bucket, and let it down in the well. You see? You can always get around religious stuff. But we're not talking about religion. We're talking about a relationship with the living God. We're talking about the things that we say, the things that affect our lives. And Jesus had this to say. He says, you offspring of vipers. How can you speak good things when you are evil or wicked? For out of the fullness, the overflow, the superabundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man from his inner treasure brings forth good things, and the evil man of his inner evil storehouse flings forth evil things. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will have to give an account for what? Every idle, inoperative, non-working word that they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned and sentenced. How could Jesus say that? By your words? I mean, by the words? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what is inside of us is going to come out. So then if what is inside of us is going to come out, it stands to reason that we need to be careful what we put inside of us. Jesus isn't talking about food. Jesus made it clear he wasn't talking about food. He said what you eat or what goes into your mouth, you eat, you consume, goes into your belly and out with the drought and it's done with. But what you put into your heart, that's a different story. Bitterness and rage and anger and violence and sexuality and all of these things that we feed on. You know? I mean, I get convicted for watching swamp people. Poor alligators. But, you know, it, we, we put this thing inside of us. If we, if we feed on this, this is a constant diet and we put it inside. What are we always thinking about then? 
We're victims of the things that we victimize ourselves. So that eventually is going to come out. That becomes a topic of our, our, our conversation. Because we don't have anything else to talk about. Now, if we put the word of God in us, I love to get around people that are students of the word. Because that's what comes out. We can sit, we can talk the word, man. It's just so, it's, it, I get excited when I'm around people that, that are into word. Because, because that's where I like to be. I like to hang out in, in the word and, 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 and put it inside of me. Because, you know, whenever you squeeze something, what's inside is going to come out. That's what Jesus was talking about. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how to respond to each person. Now, when we're around people and we want to share the gospel with them, what do we need to put inside with of us in order to share with them? The gospel. We need to put the good news inside. If we're going to share the good news, it needs to be in there. So we don't have time to look it up. They're not going to wait for you to look it up. Hide it inside of you so that it just flows out of the resources of your heart and you have what you say. If you want somebody to come to Jesus and you want to be a powerful witness to them, put the word of God in your heart so that you can talk to them about the thing that matters the most because the power of the gospel is the thing that changes lives. That's where salvation comes from. They don't give a rip about your past experiences. But don't I want to share my testimony with them? That's not your testimony. That's what you used to be. Your testimony is what Jesus has done for you. Start there. Talk about the gospel. Talk about the good things. Put it inside of you so that it comes out. Season it with salt. So what do you want out of life? Ask yourself that question. What do I want out of life? Say it out loud with me. What do I want out of life? Now think about that for a minute. What do you want? What do you want? Now, if you want to be a taxi cab driver, you set your mind on it. You set some goals. You go after it. That's all you desire out of life. You're content to be a taxi cab driver, tell people about Jesus, you know, make a decent living. That's okay. That's all you want out of life. If you want to be one who teaches others, you want to be a teacher, then you have to prepare yourself for it. You have to equip yourself for it. You have to put something inside. You have to deposit something inside of you. Now, if you ask someone who's a believer, what do you want as a believer out of life? And we, sometimes, we just have this answer of, well, I just want to please God, and I just want to go to heaven. I want my family to go to heaven. And that's all we want out of life. And that's kind of a, I believe, a bleak experience of the Christian life. It's, it's really not what God wants for us because we're called to be more than conquerors. We're called to be overcomers. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to be fruitful. We're called to be all of these things. So what we want out of life should be all that God wants me to be. But in order for me to be all that God wants me to be, I have to get what God has given already and put it inside of me. If I'm going to be what he wants me to be. Now, you know, the Marine Corps says, or is it the Army says, be all you can be. Marine Corps just wants a few good men. Army will take anybody. But you can be all you can be. Sorry, guys. I'm just... 
But if, if you're going to be all you can be, then they're going to make a man or a woman out of you. They're going to make a soldier out of you. My brother said when he went to boot camp, he was 138 pounds, 17 years old, mama side hard to get in. And he goes to boot camp as a Marine. And he just thought, you know, I'm going to go there. I'm going to change the world. And he said when they pulled up in that bus to Paris Island and they got off the bus, said this big old ugly drill sergeant come right up and got right in his face. I own you, boy. I'm your mother. I'm your father. I'm your sister. I'm your brother. You belong to me now. And started the work of transformation inside of him. And they had to break his will in order to build him into the man that was going to be a Marine. Weighed 138 pounds when he came out. When he came out of basic training, weighed 190 pounds. They made a machine out of him. But it took discipline. It took hard work. They had to, they had to, to train him how to. I mean, he could take a gun apart and put it back together in less than two minutes. That was part of his training exercises. His rifle. He didn't call it his gun. They called it his rifle. You better not. But anyway, all these things. You know what I'm talking about. So as believers... We are in something that's so much more important than being in the armed forces or anything else. We're in this thing called life. Jesus said that I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So in order to have the abundant life, not the get by kind of life, not the kind of life that just barely gets along. He wants us to have life more abundantly. So are we having life more abundantly? If not, then what do you think might be the problem? Part of the problem is that we say all the wrong things. And why do we say all the wrong things? It's because we think all the wrong things. And why do we think all the wrong things? Because we put the wrong information inside of us. So that we don't know what to think. So that's why I'm here. That's why you have the Bible. That's why God has given you teachers. That's why God's given you apostles and prophets and evangelists. That's why God has given you these people to equip you so that you can do the work of the ministry. Wow. I got some more work to do on that one. But we're getting there. We're getting there. So here we go. What do you want out of life? Now, do you want to be blessed? Who doesn't want to be blessed in here today? Anybody not want to be blessed? If you don't, come talk to me later. How many want to be blessed? All right. Praise God. That's good. That's good. Right answer. You want to be blessed. Now, how many of you want your loved ones to be saved? I mean, is there anybody here that you don't care whether your loved ones get saved or not? It'd be all right with you if they ended up in hell. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad nobody thinks that way. So, uh, how many of you want to walk in healing? And good health. I believe we can do that. You know, the, the Bible says, because Jesus gave us, uh, the, the word of God gave us certain, certain dietary things. And, and God gave certain commandments concerning the children of Israel. In Psalm 105, it says that when they came out of Egypt and they came to the promised land, guess what? There was not a feeble one among them. I believe we can walk in divine health if we do all the right things. But if we put junk inside of our bodies... And we don't do the things that are necessary. You have to think these people were walking constantly. I mean, they were, they were moving all the time. And what's that, old, that thing of that commercial comes on? The body that is in motion stays in motion. The body's at rest stays at rest. 
So they were doing all the things, and, and, and God had given them strict dietary restrictions, which we look at now, we find are very healthy. You know, no pork, no, no crustaceans, just, just the right kind of foods and everything that they could eat. And they were healthy. There was not a sick or a feeble one among them. And sometimes we wonder why we're so sick all the time. And a lot of it goes back to what we put in our bodies and the way we treat it. So if we want these things, then we have to make a determination. Are we willing to change? Are we willing to start saying the things and doing the right things that will bring these about? I love my wife. I want y'all to know that. I love her. She's the number one person in my life, this woman right here. And I tell her that all the time. Now, if I were to come up and, and, and just start berating her all the time and belittling her all the time, do you think we would have a strong relationship? No. No. And I would, I would look horrible when I came here on Sunday morning. <laughs> but we try to build each other up and say the right things. To one another, encourage one another, strengthen one another. And it's important. Dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Learn. Be a student, men. Now, I've got a little book at home that says everything that I've learned about women. It's 40 pages long. And you open it up, and it's empty. But I'm learning. I'm learning. One thing my wife loves me to, to say to her is, I love you. So I say it a lot. I say it a lot. Whether she tells me she loves me back or not, it doesn't matter. Because I want her to know that I love her. That she's important to me. And I try to say that I love her, not in just the things that I say, but in the things that I do. In word and deed. You see? I'm learning. And where did I learn that? From the word of God. I learned that from the word of God. It's worked so far. I mean, we'll be, what, 38 years this year coming up. And uh, we've had a pretty decent track record. So I'm thankful for that. So what do we want out of life? You will never receive any of the things, any of these things, the blessings, salvation for your loved ones, healing or financial miracles. You'll never receive any of these things if you are constantly sabotaging your faith with negative words. If doubt and unbelief dominate your conversation, it will dominate your life. And you won't receive anything from God, according to James. Now, James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and upbraideth not. But let that man, don't let him think he's going to receive anything from God if he asks in doubt. Because a man who asks in doubt is like someone that is like the, 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 the wind that is, or the waves that are driven against the wind and are tossed. Don't let that man think that he will receive anything from God because he's what? He's, he's a double-minded man. He's dipsychos. He, he's he's, he's, he's double-minded, two minds. And you can't have two minds. You've got to be single-minded when it comes to faith. Abraham believed God and he counted it unto him as righteousness. What did he believe? That when God says you're going to have a son, he's going to have a son. And not only is he going to have a son, he's going to be the father of many nations. And the nations are going to be blessed through Isaac. 
God tested him on several fronts. But you know what? It says in Hebrews that Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. He believed God. That's what it takes is to take God at his word and believe him. Don't sabotage it. Don't turn right around and say, well, you know, I prayed and God didn't answer. You just didn't wait. You didn't wait for the answer. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. If we wait on the Lord, wait. He said, wait. I say, wait upon the Lord. Now, what are we waiting for? These things take time sometimes, and it's a trying of our faith. And we talked about that last week. We talked about how the testing of our faith and the outcome of, of our faith and the things that God is trying to work inside of us as we're waiting on the promise of God to be fulfilled. Our faith is being built. It's not being destroyed. It's being built up because the trying of your faith works patience, patience, endurance. You see, God is working in us. And so when we pray, believe that you have what you say. We will live under whatever dominates our conversation. If we're kingdom-minded people, we will realize that we need to speak that way and live that way. Now, being kingdom-minded says that my father's the king and I'm his child. That's kingdom-mindedness. And it means he's the boss and I work in cooperation with him. Not as a slave, but as a junior partner with Jesus. A joint heir with Christ. That every promise of God is mine because he's already given it to Jesus. And if he's given it to Jesus, Jesus said, I'm a co-heir. I belong with him. So with that in mind, that I know that I can ask God for anything as long as I know that it lines up with his word and that God is his good pleasure. He wants to give to me the keys to the kingdom of heaven. It's all mine. It's mine. So I can ask God for anything if it lines up with his will. And I know I've got it. Amen? I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. What do you want out of life? Whatever we, we talk about all the time, that's the thing that dominates us. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 7, he says, if you abide in me, and this is the Amplified again, it says, abide vitally united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. Ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. Now, if Christ lives in you, and since he is the word, according to John 1, what comes out of us will be his words, his desire, and his lordship. Paul had this to say in Philippians chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. Just hang with me just a few minutes. He says, I press onward toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. So let those of us who are spiritually mature and full grown have this mind. And God will make it clear to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have already attained and walk and order our lives by that. Brethren, together follow my example and observe those who after the pattern we have set for you, who live after the pattern we have set for you. For there are many of whom I have told you and now tell you, even with tears, who walk and live as enemies of the cross of Christ, the anointed one. They are doomed and their fate is eternal misery or perdition. Their God is their stomach, their appetites, their sensuality, and they glory in their shame, uh, siding with earthly things. 
and being of their party, but we are citizens of the state, the commonwealth, the homeland, which is in heaven, and from it we also earnestly and patiently await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this verse of scripture there in verse 20 in the King James Version says, our conversation is in heaven. Now, the NIV says that our citizenship is in heaven, same thing, because we are our conversation is, is, is birthed from where we are. I just went to Mexico. I felt like, I mean, I was an alien there because I couldn't speak the language. And I tell you, it's weird being in a place where you can't speak the language. I felt so bad for some of my, my brothers and sisters in Christ who, who are Hispanic, who come here and who can't speak the language. I felt for them. But I was in another country. I wasn't a citizen of that country. I'm a citizen of the good old United States of America. I know how to speak the language here. So if you are a citizen of heaven, then you should be speaking the language of heaven. You should be speaking the language of the kingdom of God, being kingdom-minded, not being a part of this earth, not being sucked in by all the things around us which are, are just, just, just born of unbelief and doubt. We're not of this world. We're in it. We're not of it. We're, we're just passing through. Thank God. I am an alien. I don't belong here. You know, I'm just passing through. This earth is not my home. I am a citizen of heaven. And everything that heaven has belongs to me. So when I say that I have it, I'm confident that I have it. Why? Because I do. It's mine. It's been promised to me. And his promises in him are always yes and amen. So when I pray, I pray with confidence. I don't just ask God, Lord, you know, will you do this? First, I find out what his will is by reading his word. Once I find out what his will is, then I pray according to his word and I pray in faith knowing that God will answer because he already has. He's already given us the answer. It's right there in his word. That gives us confidence, and that's a good thing. How many like to have confidence? So Luke said in Luke 6, 45, from out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and that's why we need to fill our hearts with good stuff so that we will speak good stuff. Amen? Philippians 4, 8 says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good report. If there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. If we think on the right things, we'll say the right things. Psalm 19, 14 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So if we're meditating on the right things, if we're muttering in our heart over and over again, the word of God and the goodness of God and the graciousness of God and, 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 and just thinking on him and thinking on those good things, guess what's going to come out of us? Good things. Amen. We'll say the right things. And it's imperative that you walk with those who share like faith. There are several warnings about being together with unbelievers. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Paul tells us not to be yoked together with unbelievers. We don't have anything in common with them. 
In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, in the Amplified Version, it says, Do not be deceived and misled. Evil companionships or communion or associations corrupt good manners and morals and characters. You can't hang around with the boys in the hood and expect to be a man or woman of God. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't hang out in unseemly places and expect that your conversation is going to be ordered or right. Because you're going to be constantly surrounded with doubt and unbelief and the things that drag you down. And the things that will ultimately destroy you and your character if you're not careful. As unbelieving saints, we always, as believing saints, we always ought to purpose to build each other up with our words and seek to inspire faith and thanksgiving and praise. Ephesians 5.15 says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation. I always looked at that word. I wonder what in the world is dissipation? What is that? It almost sounds like diarrhea or something, but it's not. What is it? Well, I looked it up, and it's asotia, asotia. And sotia is taken from the word soteria, salvation. A is without. A, sotia. It's without salvation. It's acting like an unsaved person is what it means. Unsavedness. Because that's what drunkenness does to us. Makes us act like a moron and not like a saved man or a woman. So that's why Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation or unsavedness, but be filled with the Spirit. Because when you're filled with the Spirit of God, this is what comes out of you. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even our Father. You can tell somebody that's truly filled with the Holy Spirit because that's what comes out of them all the time. Hallelujah. And I like those kind of people. They make me happy. I have kingdom conversation. We have whatever we say we have when we say it in faith and confidence of God's word. This is the last scripture I got for you, but I want you to get this one. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 in the Amplified Version, it says, And this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, in agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. And if, since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted that that we have granted to us our present possessions, the request we have made of him. So we should go ahead and say it by faith that we have what we have need of when we pray. And when we say it, guess what? We have it. We have it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So you confess it until it becomes reality. I was speaking to Brittany this morning. I I was actually, honest to goodness, I was calling my wife to tell her to bring that guitar over there. 
And I have her on speed dial. And when I hit her number, I'm waiting on her. And I said, hello, darling. And it was Brittany. She says, well, hey, Pastor Don. I said, "Uh, uh, uh, who is this? And she said, this is Brittany. Brittany Marley? She said, yes. And she said, I was just getting ready to go down for a procedure. She said, I'm so glad you called. She said, they just came to get me. And so I prayed with her. And Brittany's been through a lot. But she's standing in faith. She's standing strong. And I'm so thankful that just before all of this stuff started happening to her, she was coming to our life group on Thursday night and going through healing the sick and has got the book, has been reading the book because it has helped her to stand in faith and believe God. She's not out of the woods in the, in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense, she's an overcomer because she's standing in faith and believing God. And guess what? God is coming through for her in a big way. We're going to see the salvation of God. We're going to see God do amazing things through Brittany. She's going to stand up and she's going to be able to share how God healed her of lupus and everything that went with it. Amen. She's saying it. She's believing it. She's believing it. So she's saying it and God's doing it. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. We stand on the confidence of God's word. Not on our circumstances. Not what we're going through at the moment. These these momentary, temporary afflictions that we're going through only prove to us the faithfulness and the goodness of God when we stand on the promises of his words and we boldly declare it. So what are you saying? What do you say about that? What do you got going on in your life today that that you need to turn the conversation around? You know, have you been struggling financially? God's going to help you out of that when you begin to speak by faith. And you begin to take God's principles and apply them to your finances. Pretty soon you'll find God answering on your behalf. Now, if you continue doing the things that you've been doing that got you into that shape, forget about it. Because if you keep doing what you've been doing, expecting different results, that's insanity. You're not going to get it. You keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always got. But if you begin to speak by faith and to act by faith, take the principles of God, apply them to your life, apply them to your finances, you'll see things begin to turn around in a hurry. The number one thing about the finances, the financial issues that we have is learning this one principle. It's the principles of sowing and reaping. Tithing. It's just that simple. We learn to tithe and when we learn to, we learn to take what God has given us and be stewards over the rest. Understanding that belongs to God too. And so I'm not going to get into that tithing thing. I just want to throw that out there. Because that's one area that a lot of Christians struggle with. And we shouldn't. We shouldn't be struggling with. But it's a struggle. What about your physical life? Are the things that God is speaking to you about pertaining to your healing? You know, we've been praying. We've been asking God to do us. You know, maybe we have a sugar issue or something. And we, we continue to put, you know, half a cup of sugar in our cup of coffee. And we expect God to heal us of that issue and, and, and we don't deal with it. Or, or, or we have a problem with overeating and, 
and, and, and, and our blood sugar gets high because we put too much food in our, in our bodies and too much of the wrong kind. And we expect God to heal us. And God says, you're not working with me here. Give me something to work with, you know, because God gives us wisdom. Now, as we line up these things in our life and we continue to say what God says concerning our situation, things are going to turn around. They're going to turn around. Amen? I, I want to ask this question because I, I, I know we have several in here that come to our life group on Thursday nights. And we're, we're going through the healing thing. Healing the sick. How many of you in here would say that that book has, has changed a lot of things in your life? The principles of God's word. Yeah. And, and, and it did for me. That's why I was so adamant about doing it. Because it was the principles in that book that, that brought healing to my life. But I had to do some things. Number one, I had to start confessing God's word over my situation. Even though the situation in the natural was still very much there. But as I spoke the word over it, the word of God brought healing because he sent his word and he healed them. See how the principles work. You have what you say. You have what you say. My encouragement to you today is to feed on the Word of God because the Word of God is where faith comes from. Begin to speak those words of faith over your situation, whatever it is. If you're struggling with your marriage, there's some principles in the Word of God that deal with marriage. If you're struggling in relationships with other people, there are principles of God's Word that deal with that too. And if we apply those principles in our life and begin to speak those things over our lives, Our situation is going to change. God's going to bring us out of the troubles we're in. But if you continue to be disobedient to the word of God and expect it to change, I'm sorry. It's not going to do it. But if we line our will with God's will and speak what he says and do what he says to do, our situation will turn around. And we have what we say. Amen. That's good preaching. Amen. Amen. It's good. I've been preaching myself happy today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We can go home now. Because this is good stuff. And if you'll just take it, apply it to your life, you're going to see your situation turn around. You have what you say. Believe it? Yeah. Amen. So stop the murmuring. Stop the complaining. You know, stop bad-mouthing. It doesn't do any good to talk about anybody else concerning your situation. Just talk to God about it and believe him. God will turn it around. Just be patient. Wait on him. And you'll see the salvation of God. Amen. Would you bow your heads for just a minute? Praise the Lord. Now, salvation is very much the same way. If, If the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. We shall be saved. To confess with our mouth is to agree with what God says concerning our situation. That we need a savior. That our sin has put us in a position where we're lost and separated from God. But God wants to bring us back to him. He wants to bring us back into right relationship with him. He wants to take all of the stuff that we've done. Put it under the blood of Jesus. Put on us a cloak of righteousness. So that when he sees us. 
He doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees us forgiven, redeemed, totally justified, justified, never sin, by faith. By faith, through the grace of God, that though we don't deserve it, God wants to give it to us because His love is so expanding. So You've been listening to Destiny City, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.